I used to be incredibly shut down in my sexuality and in my orgasmic experiences. Mm -hmm. Like I said, orgasm was not an easy thing for me. It was something that I almost like fought for. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that you absolutely can train your body to be able to do. This is something that the body actually knows how to do naturally. It's just that we've been shut down so much that it's like we've lost the ability, but we can regain it. Amazing. Welcome to Relove. I'm Tamara Clement Caron, and I'm here with the beautiful Hilary Kimball. Mm -hmm. Hilary is an holistic sexual educator. She's a specialist in jade egg practices, and she is the owner and founder of the Jade Temple, which is a beautiful women's center here on the island of Kopangang, where yeah, is a real uh, heartbeat of this island. So yeah, welcome. I'm excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so, so happy to be here with you. Thanks Aww. so much for having me. Oh, it's so nice. Yeah. So do you want to just start by telling us a little bit about what you, it is that you do beyond the description that I've just given? Yeah. So I would say that the foundation of my work with women is supporting them to create a connection and a relationship with their female body, and in particular, their yoni. So the womb space, the vulva, the vagina. And I find that this is so important because most women do not have a connection to this part of themselves. It's mm -hmm. not something that the vast majority of women in the world are taught. And it's also something that when I, when I even say or talk about connection with the yoni, a lot of women are like, oh, wow, like, yes. But then they're like, how do I do that? What does that even mean? What does it look like? Mm -hmm. So right there, it shows me the importance of actually supporting women to build this connection, to build a relationship. So really, that's the foundation of what I do. And then a lot of the work that comes out of that is sexual healing work, sexual and pleasure and orgasmic awakening work, empowerment, and really it just goes on and on. But again, kind of like the root to the base, the foundation is building a connection with the sexuality and the yoni. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. And when you have women that come to you that are feeling disconnected, what's like the first thing that they start to feel as they start to have that connection for the first time? What are the things that they say to you when they first experience what it's like yeah. to connect to her? Oh, I love this question. Um, a lot of what I get is like, oh my God, this feels so right in my body, in my mm. bones, in my mm. DNA. There's like this, almost like this ancient remembrance that starts to awaken. And a lot of the times it's very quick. It happens just when like a light bulb comes on and something flips in the brain. It happens a lot of the times in introductory talks that I give where mm -hmm. women are like, wow, like I resonate with this almost like, I don't even know really what you're talking about necessarily, <laughs> but like something is landing deep within me and then they're curious. They want more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I've got like goosebumps all over my body because <laughs> yeah. it is that feeling when it's like, um, I think even the women I work with as well, they're like, I've just never thought, of, I've never even thought about it. Exactly. I've never even thought about it. And just the, the exactly. idea of having a connection to this part of myself is yeah. already a life-changing moment. Totally. And what you said, I haven't even thought about it. That shows how deeply ingrained it is to be cut off from here, mm -hmm. to really only think about our sexuality if we're having sex. 
you know, yeah, or yeah. maybe if we're masturbating or self-pleasure and mm -hmm. it's like beyond that, we're not really connecting to these parts of us. And, you know, for women, our parts are on the inside. It's not like we're seeing them and touching them and feeling them every day like mm -hmm. men are, mm -hmm. you know, so it really does require, I think, extra education and embodiment work and, you know, support when your stuff starts to come up. Mm -hmm. um, in order for a woman to feel good and safe and okay to actually go there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And you're just talking about the stuff that comes up. So doing this work can bring up some <laughs> some stuff, right? So what, absolutely. what kind of things are you seeing? Absolutely. Well, so much, you know, a big mix of personal wounding and traumas, mm -hmm. um, collective stuff that we're either subtly or not so subtly taught uh, just in the world or growing up, ancestral stuff, mm -hmm. religious stuff, mm -hmm. um, you know, conditioning that we received, for example, from reading Seventeen or Cosmopolitan magazine <laughs> growing up. It's like, wow, this was my sex education. Mm. So it can be like this whole realm of like, deeply meaningful personal things and then just like general things that are kind of in the culture at large yeah yeah beautiful yeah amazing so yeah i mean we can obviously we could keep going into this and into this for hours totally. but i would really love today if we can even get a little bit more into your personal story sure um because I feel like there's just, yeah, so much richness in all of our own. We didn't kind of arrive at this work without going <laughs> yeah. through some shit ourselves Absolutely. and bringing some shit up. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I would love to just start with your childhood, actually, and just understand, like, are there any beliefs or ideals that were sort of imprinted on you as a child that really impacted the way that you felt either about your body or sexuality? Yeah, it's such a great question. I would say that, so for me, I grew up in an Irish Catholic household. I'm from the United States and in my house, everything was brushed under the carpet. Mm -hmm. It's like we had a smile on our faces and everything was good and fine all the time. It's like we didn't talk about what was bad or uncomfortable at all. Mm -hmm. So when you relate that to sexuality and, you know, puberty and growing up and the changing body and hormones and all of this stuff in my house, we didn't talk about this at all. Mm. Like I actually didn't even tell my mom when I first got my period, mm -hmm. even though like I remember wanting to, but I felt so much almost like silence in my voice. I felt mm. so much shame. I felt it was like almost like I couldn't like bring myself to talk to my own mother about this. So mm. we really like in my house, there was just nothing. And, you know, I know some people get like really overt messages of like, you know, a lot of women I talk to, for instance, have memories of touching themselves when they were a child or an adolescent and their parents were like, don't do that. I don't have any memories of this stuff at all. All I remember is that we just didn't talk about it. Mm. <laughs> Nothing was discussed. Yeah. And then I remember when I first had sex in high school, mm. my parents found out and my mom immediately made me go to Planned Parenthood and get tested for all STD, mm. STIs, I should say, mm. and HIV in it. So I guess like the message that comes from that is like, sex is dangerous mm -hmm. and like I, I i really felt like i had done something wrong mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah 
Wow. Yeah, it feels like quite a an extreme response, right? Like it's, it, there's like a lot of fear there. Exactly. A lot of fear, a lot of shame, a lot of silence. Mm. Uh, there were a lot of secrets around sexuality. Like I hid a lot of stuff like from my parents, which, you know, is normal. Mm -hmm. But still, I feel like it was particularly bad in my case because there was just no space to speak about it at all. Mm -hmm. And how did that make you feel, particularly as you were going into experimenting mm -hmm. and like, uh, yeah, and, and being a sexual teenager? How did that make you feel like the, the silence and the fear and the shame? Like, how did that make you feel or impact your behavior yeah. in the experience? I was incredibly closed off. Mm -hmm. I was very, I was very stoic, very, I can see now like very frozen. There was like a frozen response in my nervous system. Mm. There was a lot of trauma that came in and it was like I didn't know how to deal with it mm -hmm. so I was just kind of like this it's mm. like really just like I shut everyone off I was like in a very very inward space and I would say that you know you mentioned shame but shame was like it was a massive part of my experience but I didn't realize it at the time you know some people I know like a lot of women I talk to they're very aware of the shame that they mm. carry but for me it was like I had no idea mm. that there was a tremendous amount of shame and guilt really living within my body like not just my mind but like really really inhabiting my body and I, I didn't even realize that that was there until I was like in my I think in my late 20s or even early 30s when I like really started to do a lot of sexuality work then I was like holy shit, there's a lot of shame. Like, I should probably start to look at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember the same moment for me, like not moment, but many moments of just the shame. And, and actually, I find with a lot of women, they might say, I don't really feel like I have shame. Mm -hmm. But then once you start to really like uh, uncover things or share some yeah. different insights or education, they're, they're like, wow, actually, it's exactly as you say it's in totally. my body it's in my experience totally. and I think like masturbation is one of the most self-pleasure is one of the most uh highlighting moments of that it's like yeah. you're in a private space with your own body mm -hmm. and the amount of shame that you can feel from bringing your own totally. body pleasure totally yeah yeah and that was something I for sure remember experiencing mm -hmm. while I was in high school it was mm -hmm. like okay get it done quick dirty like mm -hmm. don't tell anyone about mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, yeah, amazing. So if that's uh, kind of where you were, was there a pivotal moment or is there something that you can share with us about like a turning point in your experience or your sexuality and your sexual empowerment journey, which yeah. is quite profound for you? Yeah. Well, there were many, there were many pivotal moments. Um, I would say the first one was around when I was maybe 25 or 26 and um, I had just started for the first time in my life doing I guess what you could call personal development work like really looking into myself for the first time I had started to get into meditation a bit and yoga mm -hmm. and it was like something started to open within myself. I remember I was journaling all the time at this point in time and I think the pivotal moment was when I went back to my parents' house for Thanksgiving this year, and I remember I was standing in my childhood room and memories of 
being sexually assaulted when I was a teenager just came flooding back to me. Mm. And this was when I was 25, mm. and this happened to me when I was 15, mm. but I had completely shut it out of my awareness, mm. which to me, I was like, wow, like, I know this happens when people are children, but like, like if you had asked me prior to this memory coming up, like if I had experienced anything in, like that in my life, I would have said no. Mm. So this was a massive, massive turning point for me. And it really made me be like, wow, like I got a lot of shit that I have to look at. And like the beautiful thing was that I was in a space and a time in my life where I was motivated to look at it. Mm -hmm. I was really like I started to have some of the tools and the support around me to go into it for the first time. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And and what do you think was the were the keys for that memory to unlock? What what yeah. were you doing at that time that, that allowed the safety for that to present yeah. itself? Well, I think that there's two things. One is that I had around this time as well, I was getting into a relationship with someone mm -hmm. and this person was quite open and he had he was also like doing a bunch of self-development work and I was really motivated by it. And he and I were really deepening sexually in a way that I never had before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I felt safer with him than I had with any other person. We were able to communicate about what was happening. And um, so I think the combination of being with him and feeling safer with him than I had ever felt before, and as well me doing a bunch of my own work just around looking at my patterns and mm -hmm you know, behavior loops that I had been in for my entire life. Mm -hmm. It was like this sexuality piece was like the next thing that was ripe to arise within my consciousness for me to look at. Mm. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, just I guess I want to draw attention to the element of safety yeah. for that to really be able to be present. There's totally. so much of the times that we're existing and and we haven't had that kind of safe environment or the safe yeah. people around us even for these this work to to evolve to bubble up for these memories exactly. to come out whatever it is that we need yeah and this is i think uh another foundation of this work is creating a space of safety within ourselves and as well, I think this is another thing that a lot of women, until they tune into it, they don't realize that they don't have within themselves. Mm. It's just like we kind of go about our lives and our sexual lives like just being, just doing what we've always done. Mm. And then sometimes there can be this realization of like, wow, like I don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. Like I don't feel safe within myself first and foremost. So then how can I possibly feel safe with someone else? Yeah, yeah. So this is like... You know, it's not so sexy in a lot of ways, but developing this root of safety within internally with oneself. Mm -hmm. This is square one. Mm -hmm. It's the work. It really. is the work. And it's it's the <laughs> For ongoing every work of life. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. For sure. And you know, you mentioned earlier about this sort of freeze state that, mm -hmm. that you sort of found yourself in and I can certainly relate to that in my earlier sexual experiences of being a young woman, being a teenager and and, and sort of having these expectations. This I always talk about it like this. I think, is it conundrum the right word? <laughs> Where you're like, you want to be sexy and you want to be sexual and you want to be popular with the boys, and you, yeah. but you also don't want to be shut-slamed, shut slut-shamed. Yeah. 
so you're sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place, and totally. I just have many memories of sort of being in this 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 frozen state and almost letting stuff happen to my exactly. body because of a head fuck and a lack of safety in my body. Totally, and unfortunately, I think this is a really really common experience for for young people, for teenagers, for college students, I mean, even older than that. And then when you add in the influences of alcohol mm -hmm. and drugs, which was a huge part of my early experiences, <laughs> mine. it's just yeah. like, okay, like, let me drink a bunch of alcohol and like get inebriated and then go and have sex. And it's like, I wasn't feeling anything. Mm -hmm. Like I wasn't in pleasure. I was like completely checked out most of the time. Totally. So this was like, all of my early sexual experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I have a lot of sadness when we think about alcohol and, and sex. There's yeah. a whole yeah. whole topic to go into. Totally. Um, but yeah, so thank you for sharing about your sort of that moment in your sexual awakening journey, yeah. um, having those memories come up. I'm wondering if there's some sexual experience, like a, a sexual moment or interaction with someone that was like a real I don't know a highlight of this mm -hmm. journey as well where mm -hmm. you felt the impact of of being present in sexuality or having looked at some of this stuff yeah the juicier ah. the better, <laughs> the juicier, the better. All right. <laughs> actually not too juicy for you I'm gonna say let's come back a little bit and okay, go to the I'll, edge of juice I'll come back to the edge oh. You know, I there's several experiences that are coming to mind right now, and ironically or not, actually, they're they're with myself, not with mm, other people. Beautiful. Um, I remember this was maybe like, let's see, not so long after I like really really started to do a lot of sexual embodiment work, which I think it's important to differentiate the embodiment work versus the work of it being in the mind where it's like you're talking about sexuality and thinking about it and maybe mm. you're being educated about it. But mm -hmm. it's different, at least for me and for a lot of my students as well, it's different when you consciously bring it into the body and choose to rewire literally the neural networks between the brain and between the sexual organs. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so for me, this experience was maybe a year or so after I started doing a bunch of this sexual embodiment work on my own. And um, I remember I, I hope I can say this, but <laughs> I had, to say it, we'll cut it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had eaten a little bit of cannabis oil. Uh -huh. And I remember at the time I was doing a 21 day jade egg, uh, I guess you could say challenge or devotion mm -hmm. um, where I was doing a practice every day for 21 days and it was amazing it was like my body was like getting super mm. sensitized and like I was so so into doing the practices and so one day I had eaten this cannabis oil and I remember just standing in my kitchen and like I was it was in a lake house and I was like looking at the lake and I was hearing the sounds all around me and I could feel the sensitivity and like movement of energy in my body. Mm. And I just started out of nowhere having spontaneous full body orgasms, mm. like standing in my kitchen like I wasn't touching myself. I wasn't doing anything. And I was like, holy shit, wow. like something major is like awakening within my body. 
And then these experiences actually started becoming super, super normal for me, where it was like my body could quite easily go into orgasm, whether it was genital orgasm or full body orgasm or energy orgasm. It was like all of a sudden something switched where orgasm used to be like very difficult for me. Mm. And then it was just like, wow, like my body is fucking wired for this. Mm. Like this is something that comes easily and naturally once I started to clear away some of the stuff and the trauma and the beliefs and the the freeze also that was there, it was mm-hmm. like, my body's made for this. Wow. wow. So that was, I remember that was, yeah, it was a very profound experience and I can see that as a turning point as well. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And so just in case someone doesn't know, can you just talk a little bit about like the uh, internal, uh, the genital orgasm versus the full body orgasm? And then you even mentioned an energetic orgasm. Yeah. Do you want to just like expand on that just totally. a little bit? Yeah. So it kind of is something that when you experience, you know, <laughs> but a genital orgasm is more like the orgasm that we think about. It's like the genitals are being stimulated and you have an orgasm. A lot of the times that's thought of as like a peak orgasm Mm -hmm. where it's like you go up and then you go down sharply. Like it happens, it lasts for like, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 seconds, 30 seconds if you're lucky (laughs) and like, then you're good. Um, So then the full body orgasm is more like when you experience this, these sensations throughout the entire body. And a lot of the times there is, well, with full body orgasm, I guess the way we're speaking of it, there is genital stimulation that's involved, but Mm -hmm. you can actually train yourself to take the sexual energy, which is normally just in the genitals and the pelvis and learn to lift it and move it all throughout the body. And you can do certain practices that support that and enhance that. And in my experience and in a lot of people's experiences, once you get those energy pathways moving, the energy actually knows how to move on its own. So you can, for instance, be having a genital orgasm and then it turns into like this full body sensation versus energy orgasm, which is where you can have orgasmic experiences without any touching of the genitals at all. Amazing. (laughs) so worth doing the work (laughs) very very worth doing the work and you know I speak about this sometimes and I'm like okay this can sound pretty out there to people but to me every single human on earth can experience this Mm -hmm. it's like I'm not special because like I do experience this and I used to be incredibly shut down in my sexuality and in my orgasmic experiences. Mm. Like I said, orgasm was not an easy thing for me. It was something that I almost like fought for. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it's like, this is something that you absolutely can train your body to be able to do. This is something that the body actually knows how to do naturally. It's just that we've been shut down so much that it's like we've lost the ability, but we can regain it. Amazing. Yeah. And what would you say to the the claims around like the percentage of women that can or can't actually reach orgasm? Yeah, I'd say they're absolute bullshit. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the baseline, but it's like the body is wired for <laughs> orgasm. <laughs> you know, it's like even statistics, I think it's like 25% of women can have vaginal orgasms. It's mm-hmm. like yeah now but what if we put the 75 percent of women who can't have vaginal orgasms 
on a one-year training program. That sounds, I don't mean to say training program, that sounds like <laughs> harsh and rigid, but like a one-year one pleasure program, exactly, yeah. where yeah. we teach them pleasure. Mm -hmm. We teach them embodiment tools. We do practices that cultivate their sexual energy and move it throughout the body. I absolutely guarantee you that after the, that year, a lot, a large percentage of that 75% would be having vaginal orgasms. Oh, yeah. And it would probably be a lot less time than that as well. <laughs> I completely agree. And yeah. I think that then the impact on those women and their lives and everything that comes with that, we could change the world. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I completely feel you. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So speaking of, I would love to know, yeah, how, how do you see that your relationship to your sexuality has impacted in other areas of your life. I always say that <laughs> that when you start to do sexuality work, it's so beautiful because it doesn't just affect your sexuality. It spills over and affects every single area of your life. Um, because our sexuality is not just like something that's like meant to be off in a little box over here. It's part of us. It's literally it's creative energy. It's where we all came from. Mm -hmm. So one of the things is creativity. Mm -hmm. And I hear this all the time with women. It's like they start to get in touch with their orgasm, with their pleasure, with their sensuality, and they see a link with their creativity. Mm -hmm. um, empowerment also. I think this is a huge, huge area that sexuality affects because if you're living cut off from the center, this is our, our basic life force. So it's like we're losing access to a huge energy reserve mm -hmm. that we're meant to have access to. We're meant to use in our lives, not just with sexuality, but in any area of our lives. So I think once a woman starts to get in touch with that and she starts to really, really feel the difference, and this was absolutely my case. It's like this level of like, yes, like this is mine. Like mm -hmm. no one can take this from me. Mm -hmm. And like, I did this. This didn't come from outside me. This didn't come from my partner or my lover or even a teacher or a workshop or a book or a therapist or a healer <laughs> or a doctor, you know, like this came from me and mm -hmm. my own body. Mm -hmm. I think that's the kind of empowerment that's like that women are really looking for right now. And mm -hmm. it's like, I really, really found this in myself and then with that it's like for me and again it's so many other women that I talk to it's like when we find this level of empowerment we no longer want to settle for less in our lives mm -hmm. it's like we no longer want to work at the dead-end jobs that don't have any sort of meaning for us mm -hmm. it's like we no longer want to be in that relationship that we know was outdated three years ago yeah <laughs> you know it's like we don't want to be living just living our lives in mediocre ways it's almost like we awaken to the very real notion that life is short and it's too short to be living in any other way than what's completely aligned with my highest calling so then you can maybe see that there's like even a spiritual aspect that can come in. Mm -hmm. um, sexual energy can be, if someone wants it to be, very, very related to spiritual energy. And for me, Absolutely. I had a really strong spiritual practice before I was doing sexuality work. Mm -hmm. And the sexuality work just like really, really skyrocketed the spiritual work as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love that you talk about it as it can be 
linked to spirituality, but yeah. it doesn't have to it be. It sure doesn't it's have like to be. It's like if it's not it's your path and it doesn't need to be and that's the beauty. That's what's great about it. It's a choice. It's like once you start to have access to your sexual energy, you can work with it and use it for what you want to. Mm-hmm. That could be making a baby. Mm-hmm. That could be pleasure. Mm-hmm. That could be having amazing sex with your partner, but mm-hmm. it could also be your art or your spiritual practice or your creativity or your work or, you know, really anything. Yeah, even using that energy to give to your family if exactly. that's what really calls exactly. you as well. Yeah. Totally. totally. Beautiful. Amazing. Let me yeah. just check. Um Amazing. So I would love to also just understand if there are some specific beliefs or ideals that you now have that you didn't have before that really guide mm-hmm. your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, one thing that's coming to mind right now, and this was a very subtle thing at first that started becoming clear is the belief that my sexuality is for me. Mm. It sounds so basic. Mm -hmm. It sounds so basic. But I for sure had a deep conditioning, and I know so many women do as well, that our sexuality exists for someone or something else. Mm -hmm. That it's almost like a commodity to be given away. Mm. Whether it's to gain approval Mm -hmm. of someone, whether it's to gain the attention of a male partner, whether it's to give away to my partner for his or their pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like I had such a strong conditioning that it's like this body and this pleasure, it's like first and foremost, it's not for me. So to really reclaim this as mine, as for me, Mm. first and foremost, and of course I want to share it with someone else. It's like I love to share it with a beloved or with a partner or a lover. Like that is the most fantastic experience in the world, or one of them at least. But it's also incredible to know that it's like, it's mine. Like Mm. no one can take this. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah, so that's a biggie. And I hear a lot of women speaking about that as well and a lot of women uncovering this belief and kind of battling back and forth between like doing this work because either they're in a relationship and they somehow want to like improve themselves so that they can Mm. show up in their relationship differently which there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. but they sometimes can kind of battle with this where it's like but wait shouldn't this be for me also? Like, am I doing this for me or am I doing this for my partner? So it's a really Mm -hmm. interesting thing when this starts to awaken because it's like, of course we want to share it, but as well, like it's such a beautiful reclamation when it's really, really existing there for us. Yeah, beautiful. Amazing. And this might be slightly connected, but um, yeah, if there was one thing that you could tell yourself before you started to explore sexuality, mm. one key piece of mm. knowledge, what mm. would it be? Mm. Oh, there's so many that are coming. <laughs> <laughs> mm. You can share too if you like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the next question might give you another opportunity. You know, the one thing that's, the main thing that's here, and this is kind of, relates to the previous question as well, which is that sexuality is sacred. And when I, I think it's important to, when I say that or when one says that, it's like, well, what does sacred mean? Like, what is that even? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for me, it means it's something that is 
worthy of my time and my love and my presence and my attention and that it's also worthy of my devotion mm -hmm. and yeah this is this was a huge shift in me and it was something right from the very beginning of my path that I, I could really feel I was like there's this sacred aspect to sexuality now I can see that it's very clearly linked to the fact that through our sexual energy, spirit and matter come into form and create new life. It's like, of course that's sacred. Yeah. Of yeah. course it is. Yeah. You know, but to really have that land in a deeply embodied way, like it's been such a game changer in my life. And that's something that, you know, it's something that I, when I'm guiding practices, sometimes I say this. I talk about how the breasts are sacred, how the yoni is sacred. Yoni is a word that means sacred space, yeah. you know, and it really lands deep in a lot of women of like, wow, like I never thought of these breasts as mm. sacred or this womb or mm -hmm. this vagina or this vulva as sacred. Mm -hmm. So this is, yeah, it's, it's a big one. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you talking about, um, like the devotion and the sort of love for yourself and the respect for like this sacredness of your own sexuality, but also mm -hmm. the respect and the sort of devotion that you want when you're sharing that with someone else. Right. Totally. Which isn't often the case. Totally. I, I remember when I started my own journey with this work that I, yeah, I had this very big realization about how little of an actual connection I had had with the men that I'd been having sex with because yeah. I'd been single for most of my adult life. Uh -huh. And I sort uh -huh. of made this promise to myself that I'm not going to share that with someone who doesn't see me. Yeah. It doesn't mean yeah. that it has to be a relationship. It doesn't have to turn into marriage. But I want to be like seen for the woman that I am and the, and the sacredness of me yeah. sharing my body, my sexuality with mm -hmm. you. Mm-hmm. It's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Beautiful. And if there was one belief um, or ideal around the world that you could change, like one thing that you really feel is something that exists that just is probably the most unhelpful belief or ideal <laughs> that exists around sexuality, which one would it be? Mm. It would have to be something around shame and sexuality, that sexuality is shameful, mm -hmm. that it's something that needs to be hidden, closed down, pushed away, only talked about behind closed doors, like between you and your partner. To me, it's like this stuff should be talked about freely. Not should. It could. Mm. It could be talked about. Maybe should, actually. Yeah. <laughs> fuck it. Fuck it. I don't use the word should use so word often, should. but like, okay, fuck it. We're going to use it. Like, it should be talked about freely and openly between friends, between family members, between men and women, like, in our communities. Because I find that when we do have these spaces to talk about sexuality, it's like people tend to open up and they're like, oh, my God, like, Thank you. Like mm -hmm. it's it's like women come alive. Mm -hmm. Like in the circles that I give, you should feel the energy in there. It's like it's so palpable. Women feel so grateful and so thankful just to have a space where they feel safe enough to be a little bit vulnerable and open up and talk about our bodies, to talk about our anatomy, to say the word vagina or vulva or a pussy or yoni or whatever it is. It's yeah. like to have these spaces, it's like these 
could, should be commonplace in the world. And I really believe that we would live in a healthier world, that we'd have healthier societies, families, relationships, if we were able to much, much more freely talk about sexuality. Oh, <laughs> I'm with you on that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's exactly what we're doing here, right? Exactly. It's like, <laughs> let's get this out into the world and make it not like just yeah. for the few, but like get get everyone that we can to have these conversations to claim totally. their bodies to claim their sexuality and to feel empowered yeah empowered sexy free mm-hmm. enough worthy exactly exactly and you know i remember when i was like first really getting going on my own sexual embodiment journey luckily i was here on the island of copangan where people tend to be a little bit more open And I was just talking about sexuality with like everyone that I came in contact with. Mm-hmm. And it was so freeing to mm-hmm. just be able to talk about this stuff and be met where it's like people also wanted to talk about it with me, even if like they never had, even if they felt a little scared or some shame was coming up. It's like people were still really happy to be talking about this stuff. Yeah. Which just made me be like, oh, my God, like. I've been living for like almost 30 years of my life, like without speaking about this, living in shame and silence and secrecy where it's like so freeing and empowering to do the opposite, just to share and talk and, you know, share about our experiences. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's the saying, isn't it? That shame lives in the dark. So as soon as we shine the light on something, shame just dissolves. Exactly. And these conversations don't need to be complex. They don't need to be detailed. They don't need to be even in some ways like um, too, I guess, extreme. Like it's it's anything that's shared. Yeah, anything that we can share and and open up about and just dissolve these little bits of shame. Exactly. Here and there. Exactly. And I love what you said. Like it doesn't have to be extreme. And like... For women, I think one thing can be just talking about our own anatomy or talking about words that we use to describe our genitals. Like this is something that when I first started doing this work, I was like, oh, my God, I don't have a word that feels nice for me to speak that refers to my sexual center. That's a problem (laughs) because at that time I didn't know the word yoni and the word pussy was like, oh, like cringe to me. Yeah, yeah. So even having this conversation with people or having a conversation where, or having more of an educational conversation where uh, we're talking about women's anatomy, like just this stuff, Mm -hmm. it's so useful. And Mm -hmm. like to me, knowing the correct words to talk about our parts, for instance, knowing that your vulva is not your vagina, this is not extreme. This is basic anatomy that we should have been taught growing up, you know? And this is something that most people in the world are not so aware of. So it can actually be at a very like basic educational level. And then these conversations can, of course, open to deeper and deeper ones as uh, people feel ready and wanting and willing to go there amazing beautiful and you are sharing a lot of this stuff in your facebook group particularly but Mm -hmm. any other places where people can come because you have a lot of resources i know that you people can access very very quickly so where would they find you if they wanted to learn more from this amazing (laughs) goddess So, yeah, like you said, the main place that I share and the main place I'm active on social media is my Facebook group. It's called the Jade Temple Sisterhood. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I'm getting a little more active on Instagram these days. Yes. My personal account is the Hillary Kimball. And as we've shared, uh, the space that I own is called the J Temple. So the J Temple is that space's handle on Instagram. So you can find me there as well. Amazing. Yeah. And then my website, of course, which is just HillaryKimball.com. There's some nice freebies and stuff on there. Amazing. Yeah. Beautiful. And yeah, I can personally say that your work has impacted my own journey deeply. Mm -hmm. And it's been such a yeah, gift to have come across you in my life and to have had your teachings and your work impact me. So mm -hmm. thank you on a very, very personal level for your service and your so gift and your oh, <laughs> such exquisite expertise. Yeah. You're amazing, amazing, amazing masterful teacher and uh and mm. woman so thank, thank you, you so for much. being here today and Aww. all of your beautiful work and yeah such a, a joy thank you so much for having me i love to share about this stuff yeah. and especially with good friends so <laughs> amazing yeah we'll thanks do another so few hours soon, yeah okay? yeah totally amazing all right Aww, thank, thank you so you. much thank you thanks, everyone.